Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, this is the Chris Evans Show with Cinch, who don't just offer great quality cars, but also great quality service with a dedicated customer service team available seven days a week. Plus, there's a Cinch app, as if cinch.co.uk isn't enough. You can browse thousands of cars with the app, filter your searches, and buy your next car in just a few taps. The app is on Google Play and App Store. You can search, shop, and pay for your next car all in the Cinch app. It's so easy, it couldn't be easier. And, of course, you get all the same benefits like free home delivery and a 14-day money-back guarantee no questions asked other than where would you like the money sending back try it out download the cinch app today Welcome to the show. Vassos is here. Aloha. And Rachel's here. Greetings. And very soon, Dan Carter's going to be here. Tell us about Dan Carter, both of you. Part one, Vassos. Well, the thing is, with the Rugby World Cup round the corner, we've only, I'm afraid, on the show this morning, we've only got the greatest rugby player of all time. He has scored more points in test matches than anyone else. He has won nine, that's nine rugby championships. He has been player of the year a record three times. He's won the World Cup twice. And he's Dan Carter of New Zealand. He is I mean, he's my brother's hero, but he's many people's hero. And he's written a new book. It's called The Art of Winning. And he should know because he's won a lot. Part two, Rachel. I am much more interested in his home life. So he talks about his family. He talks about perspective, about reframing a moment which he thought was an absolute disaster when his season in Japan got cancelled because of COVID. But when he told his five-year-old, his face broke out in joy because for him it meant that daddy would be staying at home. And also he discusses how he tried to approach homeschooling in the same way they would approach an all-blacks training camp. All right. (laughs) Didn't work. I didn't realise he is renowned as the greatest rugby player of all time. I didn't know that bit. I knew he's oh, look, I knew he was very good. I mean the thing is with rugby, yes. you know, um the job of a of a prop in the scrum is mm. very different from the job of a fly half, which is where Dan Carter played. So I suppose rugby aficionados would call him the greatest fly half of all time. Right. Um and some might say, well, Johnny Wilkinson, but you know, given that he wouldn't be much good in the scrum, maybe, you know, you can't call him the greatest rugby player of all time, but just as an umbrella term, the greatest rugby player of all time is probably fair. And if you said to 90% of rugby fans in Twickenham Stadium, who's the greatest rugby player of all time? They'd say Dan Carter. All right. That makes me feel slightly less nervous. So thank you, because uh, you were chasing your tail in there for a mm-hmm. moment. Yes, I was. Um, could we therefore just settle on he's the groat? Yeah. Right, isn't it? So he's the Should we make him a badge? Greatest rugby player of all time. Yeah. The Groat. The Groat. Not the Goat. No. The Groat. Yeah. Excellent. Which used to be um, currency, didn't it? Where? Groats. It was like, it pre- predates shillings. Really? I think so. Like in Shakespeare's time, didn't they pay in groats? <laughs> Let's say yes. 
Thank you. Oh, no! He's right! Of he's right! Wasn't Greek. it a British silver coin that was separately minted in um, Ireland, England and Scotland? That's what I heard. Off the top of my head. Mm. <laughs> I mean, in through the ears of your head. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, Super Blue Moon, last night, Red Spectacle lighting up the skies. Uh, there was a lot of talk about this online. I reposted a couple of things that were sent to my Instagram that had, like, three million hits. I thought, well, what's wrong with ten more? So I did that. Uh, the great thing about last night's moon... There are 13 um, moon cycles this year, uh, as opposed to the usual 12, and two fall in August, and there we are. And last night's super blue moon could be seen last night, and you can still see it this morning. Um, 17,000 miles closer to Earth than a moon usually would be. The closest it comes, I think, it's absolutely massive to the extent that it then can light up other planets you can't usually see with the naked eye. Last night, specifically Saturn. And if you had even a little weak sort of toy telescope like we had, you could see the rings around Saturn, which is awesome. Uh, not dissimilar from the rings that we were running around New Zealand in the T20 last night at County Durham. Um, did we mention the cricketer Dan Carter? Is he a cricket fan? Will he like it uh, that we got one over on the cricketers from New Zealand? Or, um, you know, is it a firefighters versus a police officer kind of situation, rugby and, um, and cricket? Or is it, if you're once a Kiwi, always a Kiwi, regardless of the sport? I think definitely that once kiwi always a kiwi new zealand's rugby team have just come off their heaviest ever heaviest ever defeat right um but then again england's rugby team have come off the england's men's rugby team have come off their worst ever defeat the first ever time they've lost to a tier two nation fiji they lost to at twickenham last saturday so so it's not going very well on the rugby front for either of us in form this morning isn't he um but on the cricket front at least it's going well for us yeah <laughs> cool <laughs> I, I, that's yeah. I don't really know what he's saying this morning. Yeah, I like it. Uh, he's zigzagging, isn't he? He's well, left, he's right. Mm. It's like a giant slalom this morning. Whereas, blue moon. What I want to talk about is my left it's story. Which a is, super blue moon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they played that. They, they, it was very visible in Durham, the, the super blue moon yesterday. Anyway, what I, what I want to talk about isn't left and right. It's up and down. It's my lift story. It's okay. terrible. Vassos has a lift story. It's one of those kind of stories you hear on the radio that then might dominate the rest of the show. Uh, if you have a lift story, um, <laughs> why don't you text it to us? Eight seven triple two. Up, down, all around town. We'll take the third floor. We'll take the fourth floor. We'll take top of the tower. We'll take basement. Who would you like to be stuck in a lift? In fact, who have you been stuck in a lift with? Aha! Eight seven triple two. Don't you dare! <laughs> Thanks to the Reading Chronicle for some vicarious, uh, ultra positive Carfest feedback. Uh, they've got a, a drone shot of the Carfest campsite, and there uh, are many fields of camping at Carfest. And they have this drone shot. This drone shot. I think it was a few hours. I think it was Monday afternoon. It was before tea time, so the last campers had left just a couple of hours ago. 90,000 Davids at Carfest this year. I think 95,000, but I, I don't know for sure. And the Reading Chronicle have printed a picture of the Carfest drone shot of the campsites uh, with the pristine feels. Probably better, uh, in, in better nick than when everybody arrived. Note to Reading Festival goes, this is how a site should be left. Um, and lots of people have been saying, you know, the comparison between Carfest and the Reading campsites post the festival, um, you know, is night and day. And I honestly, you know, do not want to besmirch uh, the Reading Festival in any way, shape or form. In fact, you know, I'm not going to support them, but I will offer some mitigation on their behalf. Um, for the Reading Festival, post-festival uh, campsite photographs, teenager's bedroom. 
Mm. Lots of teenagers. <laughs> it's just a big teenager's bedroom. I mean, should do better. Absolutely must do better. But teenagers, lovely, responsible, brilliant mums and dads and families. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's like it's like in the in the in the football World Cup, the last football World Cup, when um, all the other fans were being the other fans, and that's great, you know. But then the Japanese fans decided to tidy up after themselves yeah. when they left. So it's not it's no no slight on all of the other fans. It's just how brilliant are the Japanese fans because they decided to tidy up after themselves yeah, and the Japanese team who tidied up the dressing room and, and cleaned uh, it. Certainly, no, it's like the opposite of the people who organised the running festival because they then cleaned up all yes, that mess. Exactly. It's just that the teenagers didn't take it with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, um, anybody have a teenager that went to Reading? Two. They, uh, Not what? this year. Okay, Matthew and Emily. Matthew went last year. Emily went three years ago because yep. it's a it's a after GCSE rite of passage kind of thing. But it doesn't mean you have to go though, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. That's you don't us. have to. We might. We you don't might. Like GCSEs. You don't have to we do it. might emigrate to Los Angeles just so Noah's not here oh, when he's we, sixteen. Can you take Tom with you? Yes, of course we can. <laughs> of course, we just won't tell them. Yeah. Oh look, we would. No, we're. Oh yeah, no, we're back now in September. Oh, that's weird. We missed the bank. I do want to. I do want to reinsta this aerial shot, but I don't want to have the uh, Reading Chronicle can do what they do. Um, uh, I just don't want to. I don't want to have a go at Reading whatsoever. Uh, but I do need to. Looks like an airfield, doesn't it? Mm. Looks like an old World War Two airfield. Yeah. Lovely. Um, stunning is what it is. I uh, want to know about Vassal's list. I know story. you do. I know you do. We have some elevator music. This is officially elevator music from our music library, but I think it's a bit too upbeat. <laughs> well, it depends what the story is. I think this is more supermarket checkout. Yeah, it, yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah. See, for me, elevator music has to be sort of Kenny G. I think we're looking. The elevator music here at News Broadcasting is mega because you get one of our eight radio stations. There are eight lifts. The Virgin, if you want Virgin Radio UK, then you need to go to Lift D. You need to wait for Lift D mm-hmm. to get us. Um, if you fancy a bit of Times Radio, it's Lift A. Talk Sport, Lift B. Talk Radio, Lift C. And I've never been in E, F, G or H. No, I don't know why. Go, well, because they go to the even numbered floors. I didn't, I didn't know that's what the deal was. No, they, go, they go to all of the other floors apart from here. Oh, OK. We get, we get the four lifts. Okay. We get A, B, C, D. Because we're furthest up. Mm. Is that why? Gets because all of the lifts are double lifts, so they have um, cabins below our cabins, apart, f- apart from that side. So we, th- these are the only lifts that come up. What happened in the lift, Bassos? No, hang on, hang on. Oh. Enjoy my lift music. Two upbeat for me. Hang on a second. We have another option here. Yeah, I like this. Okay. This is cool. Will this enhance or will this get in the way of your story? It, it won't do either. It won't do either? It won't do either. It's just going to be neutral. <laughs> yes, it's neutral. This is neutral. That's what lift music is meant to be. It's neutral. But it is, I like it too much for it to be neutral. I like this as well. I'm a lift music kind of guy. <laughs> If, if I programmed the music for Virgin Radio, we'd play this all day. Yes, forget, forget about it. It's all about the 80s, Thursdays. It's, it's all about Tea time bangers music. can go and bang off, this, go wang off. This and mouldy old loaf. <laughs> off you go with your story. In the lift, in the morning, this is not something I would willingly 
divulge, but right. it has to happen for me to tell you the lift story. I do a little bit of yoga. So I had Dan Carter's book in my right hand. I put it on the floor. And only a little bit of yoga. I'm particularly inspired because my yoga place in London has a very eminent shwami currently over from India this week. And anyway, so I just... What I do... I have to stand up for this. I do the beginnings and the very end of the sun salutations. So I, 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 I breathe in and I, and I stand up and I, and, I, and I reach up and slightly backwards. I then fold into a forward bend and then I, and I leave it there. I leave the forward bend there until I estimate I'm around about floor 13 or 14. So I, leave, I let my... Estimate while you elevate. Yep, exactly. And I, and I think, well, I'm about 13 or 14 now, so I'll, I'll now go up. Um, I'll go up again um, so that I'm completely neutral when the lift doors open. Like the music. Mm. Um, and so then I, I let the hamstrings stretch a little bit and then I go up and I go up and I put my hands up above my head and then I go slightly backwards and then I'm looking I, I'm almost at the sky because I'm really, I'm leaning back. Where's this story going? I haven't got a clue. And, and, and at this point, I mistimed it today. Oh. I do this every day. I mistimed it today. So as the lift doors opened on 17 and there was one of the TalkSport production team waiting to get in the lift, I was... I was up and back. I don't know what I like. <laughs> this position, but because I didn't know, I knew when the lift had stopped, and I thought, oh, it stopped, and I didn't know that the person was there because I was looking up and backwards with my arms above my head, like I was in some kind of, you know, out like, of trance. That's when, I, and then I panic, obviously, because there's somebody there. I mean, it's horrific, isn't it? <laughs> and then I thought. Shall I explain? Obviously, I didn't explain. I just sort of scuttled out of the lift, hoping they didn't notice, but they obviously did because there was something. Hoping they didn't notice! <laughs> yeah. And then I had to sort of come back into the lift because Dan Carter's book was in the corner of the lift on the floor. Um, and anyway, so that, that awfulness happened. And then my second thought was, well, at least it'll make a good story. <laughs> It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, it's not as bad. I thought it might be like falling lifts. How do you think they might not have noticed? It's just... <laughs> it's early. They might have had their eyes closed. Well, you're a very big <laughs> man. I, I mean, you fill most of the lift, especially if you're bending backwards and mm. your arms are outstretched and your your chest chakras are open and you're giving it all the, all the energising beans. It's really nice. I mean, I do like my lift. Do you think you were the epitome, the personification of a spiritual being having a human experience. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I was thinking about you yesterday, because you said that yesterday on the show. You said lots of people, uh, we think sometimes that we are human beings having a spiritual experience, you know, when we have those beautiful sort of uh, temp oh so two temporary moments of nirvana, when in fact, you know, what we are and what we should consider more and then for we'll experience it more and not worry about things as much is consider that we are, in fact, spiritual beings having a human experience. Uh, and somebody said yesterday, because they heard you say that, say, well, you know that ritual is in the word spiritual. It's the second, it's two thirds mm. of the word spiritual is your ritual. Well, there's my lift ritual. You're going right to keep there. it up, are you? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm never doing it again. So there, so I sidled off, hoping they hadn't noticed. <laughs> but I might resign, just so I never have to see that person again. Can't believe the lift was still there for your Dan Carter book retrieval. That never happens. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Craving some great 80s music? Play Virgin Radio 80s Plus. On DAB Digital Radio, on the app, on your smart speaker, and at virginradio80splus.co.uk. I got my mind Love Chris Evans. Woo! Love the 80s. Virgin Radio. 80s Plus. All right, Vassos. Our next guest is only the greatest rugby player of all time who scored more points than anyone else won two World Cups, nine rugby championships and beaten the Lions. So who better to write The Art of Winning? Ten lessons in leadership, purpose and potential out now. He's smarter. He's a fire starter. He's Dan, Dan Cutter! Cutter! Alright, Dan? Good morning. Quite the intro. I'll debate you on the greatest rugby player of all time. There's a couple of others that uh, I put ahead of myself, but thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Oh, well, you're very welcome. You've already been talk sported. How was that for you? Oh, talking to, to three footballers was, you know, kind of giving them uh, a quick intro to, to rugby with uh, obviously the Rugby World Cup around the corner. But we had some similarities having uh, all uh, retired from professional sport. Yeah, but you, you still seem to be in amazing shape. It's not been that long, fair enough, but I still don't think you'll ever... Um, mistake yourself for Alan Brazil in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> when I walked into the studio, and there were three donuts uh, sitting on the on the table. I knew gee, this is life of a former sports. Donuts person. on the table, donuts behind the microphones. <laughs> you, you <laughs> we're all mi- thinking it. I just thought I'd say it. <laughs> you might mistake yourself for James Cracknell. Do you know James? James, James Cracknell, Cracknell, the rower. So this photo. is you on the front cover. We of thought your it book. was James Cracknell. We thought you. you we thought oh, they'd put that. the wrong face on the. Look at that. <laughs> to be honest, here now in real life, you don't look like the front cover of your book. We think. We've checked if James's publishers are the same as yours and they've just messed up the photo. Oh, no. Um, and they are, and they have. <laughs> Never mind. Am I going to get, uh, you know, a, a message from James's lawyer saying, oh, I'm using his image? That no. Could be, no, he's not that sort of guy. James is not a litigious <laughs> really guy. Nice, yeah. Believe me. Oh, no, I can assure you that is me. And I'm at the back of uh, my run-up. I was doing a kicking session, and I kind of have the certain look when I'm at the back of my, my run-up to, to kick a goal, and I'm in immense amount of focus uh, visualising the ball going through the post and that's exactly where that, that image See there's so much I want to talk to you just about yeah. that particular yeah. sentence but the book is fantastic. Um, you've already also this morning done some extra little films for our Instagram about your first times, your first gig, first gig Red Hot Chili Peppers? Absolutely yeah Red Hot Chili, Pe- uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers it was a fantastic concert I'd just started playing rugby and I went with a whole group of uh, you know rugby players that I used to idolise. So here I was at this concert. I loved kind of rock music when I was uh, when I was in my early twenties and then to, to go to a concert like that, that's it's one I'll always remember. How did it affect your game? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know to be honest. Um, thankfully the you know the gig was uh, on a weekend that I didn't have any any so rugby have a weekend of exactly a couple yeah, of titties. absolutely enjoyed. Actually, it was at the end of the year, as a December, which is our off season, so it was, it was more than one or two. As a Kiwi, how do Kiwis travel? In as much as 
if you're Irish, the whole world seems to love people who are Irish. You know, the, Irish people travel very well. I suspect Kiwis sort of are similar. It is, yeah, we often talk about the similarities between, you know, Irish and, and Kiwis. We're sort of very sort of down to earth, humble Islanders. people. Um, yeah, we're just, we're very... Are you uh, received pretty well? Yeah, we are. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, we, I'm not sure whether it's, um, you know, because I played for the All Blacks or not, but we are received uh, reasonably well. We kind of... Everyone is a Kiwi, don't they? Mm-hmm. We, we're a very Aussie-based company. Lots of Aussies work on the station. Obviously, we're owned by an Australian family. Um, and you know, Aussie's pretty pretty fun too. But Kiwi is different level. Yeah. No threat. Is it the lack of threat? Maybe. Do you, do you We're so far it? removed. Unless you're on the rugby pitch. Everyone's yeah, a, everyone's intrigued uh, by us. There's you know this little island of you know five million people, and you know we, we often you know ex- excel in, in in sport. You know compared to you know the amount of people that yeah, that, same that, with that uh, island's four million live, people, yeah. isn't it? It's so similar. Um, yeah, why, 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 how come you're so good at these aggressive is, it is the right word. It's also the wrong word as well, uh, cause it's controlled aggression, uh, most of the time. Um, how, where, where does that come from? Cause you've got such a peaceful nation nowadays. Yeah, we are. And, and you just got to go back to, you know, our you know, sort of ancestors, uh, you know, the, the New Zealand, uh, Maori, um, you know, people. It's uh, you know, we really sort of look back at our, our history and heritage of, of what it means to to be New Zealanders, and yep. and that uh, that Maori history is something that we really embrace, and and you can see that you know even before our national sporting teams play, we perform the the haka, yeah, you know, which is uh, you know a, a tribute to to who we are as as New Zealanders, and yes, it looks very sort of aggressive, and you know we can flick the switch. Um, you know, to, to have this really sort of masculine, uh, you know, sort of dominant, uh, you know, performance like the haka, and you think, oh, hold on, that, that gives gives them the advantage. We're actually, we soon worked out that after we performed the haka, we kicked off, we started the game of rugby, and we gave away about five or ten penalties in the first uh, 15 minutes. And we're like, okay, hold on, it's not working to, to our advantage. So we actually had to start putting some, some plans in place to actually connect again um, to, to make sure that we weren't giving away so many penalties so it actually was a little bit detrimental at times so interesting that um, the hack is so interesting for so many reasons can it go against you you just said yes it can and then you have to think about um, you know how you connect it to the energy of what's about to happen as opposed to history and the celebration of it all I, I should imagine it's really useful at winning over the neutrals at a game that that they're on your side from the moment they see the hacker. Oh, it's, it's one of the most sort of unique, you know, things in, in world sport. Uh, to, to see, uh, you know, a New Zealand team perform the, the haka, this this traditional ritual that, that, that means so much uh, to us. It's, it's really, really special. And if you don't know a lot about sort of rugby or sport and, and you see this performance, it's really sort of empowering. It's it's a great spectacle. And, and as a New Zealander, we, we love performing it. Some of my most memorable... Uh, haka performances were when you're playing against other Pacific Island teams like Samoa or Tonga or Fiji and they're performing uh, their traditional uh, war dance back to you and the you know the the energy that happens in moments like that battle has already commenced doesn't it magical Um, do you have I invented this was there a, a sort of covid hacker in a car park 
Didn't you perform? Didn't you have to perform a hacker in a car park once before you took to the field? Or right, imagine. Um, I must have imagined that. You're we, nervously we, no, itching we, we, yourself. We did one. We did one in Wales in the changing room once. Before, oh, yeah, so we went. Um, there was, Why was that? I think there was some anniversary of Welsh rugby, and they 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 didn't want us to to perform the hacker out on the field. Right. Um. So they stopped us from performing the hacker, which we didn't like very much. Um. So we got the camera. Maybe that was it. We got the camera crews and in, into the changing room. We performed it in front of our um our non-playing uh, members and, and management and. Um, I think we ended up putting sort of 30 or 40 points on the Welsh that day. We were so annoyed. <laughs> uh, loads of love for you. Julian Banbury, one of many, many texts this morning. He's the absolute goat, Dan Carter, and an amazing ambassador for the best of Aotearoa. Aotearoa. Which is the... That's, that's Māori uh, for New Zealand. For New Zealand. Yes. Okay, sorry about that. No, Didn't no problem. Was not my intention. Uh, my 14-year-old son, Ethan, has got up especially early this morning. After hearing Dan is going to be on the radio, Ethan plays rugby himself and absolutely loves it. Brilliant for teenagers to be into something that's so good for their body and mind, keeps them out of trouble, boosts their confidence and does wonders for their mental health. Ethan says Sarah in Cardiff plays for St Albans RFC and any message from Dan would send him and all his team wild. Oh, Ethan, uh, great message. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to, to write in a young... 14-year-old rugby player. It takes me back to when I was 14 years old, and it's such a magical time. You're you're, you're playing the sport that you love alongside your best mates, and and every time you you go out and play, you're trying to emulate your your rugby heroes, and that's what I was doing. And you know, there was Jonah Lomu, Andrew Mertens, Christian Cullen, All Blacks at that time. That every time I was playing with my mates, I was pretending to be one of those players and trying to. You know, try and sidestep uh, or run over people. I wasn't very big, but that's what Jonah Lomu was doing at the time. So I'd try and uh, try and do that. Um, it is a really magical time. So thanks for the message, Ethan. Yeah, well, that guess is beautifully into the book. It wasn't my intention, but there you go. Dan Carter, the art of winning. Ten lessons in leadership, purpose, and potential. You talk about yourself as a kid. There, uh, you talk about yourself as a five-year-old in the book, watching rugby on the telly, then going into the garden and trying to emulate or recreate what you've just seen on the pitch. I mean, clearly you were better at it than most of us do, that kind of thing. How how early on in your life was it evident that you had something going on? Well, it, it wasn't that evident at all, to be honest. I always had this dream, and yet, like the, the dream of that five-year-old um, boy that you just, you just talked about. I remember watching the All Blacks play in the 1987 inaugural Rugby World Cup and, and the All Blacks and the players that were playing... Um, really something was ingrained in me from that moment that was my dream I want to be an All Black I want to be like John Kerwin I want to be like Michael Jones some some legendary All Blacks of that time I never thought it would happen because I grew up in a little country town of only 700 uh, people and I thought All Blacks supposed to come from these big cities of Auckland Christchurch or Wellington but anyway that dream became a reality in 2003 and I thought that I could die the next day and die a happy man. But as soon as I walked off the field from that first test match, I was like, I don't want this feeling to, to ever end. I don't want to be just an all-black that plays half a dozen games or two or three seasons. I want to strive to be an all-black great, like those great all-blacks that I wanted to be as a kid. So I went to the changing room and I was like, well... An All Black, great, what does that mean? Okay, well, it means you need a, a career in the All Blacks for more than 10 years. It means you need to be the hardest working All Black um, because you're going to have a lot of competition, a lot of opposition. They're going to try and take you out. Um, it also means you're going to have to evolve because the way you're playing now is going to be very different to the way you're playing in 10 years' time. So all of a sudden I had... Um, some kind of structure of like what it took to 
to strive and walk towards trying to, to be an all-black great, and, and that was my purpose. Uh, from that day, I knew every morning I got out of bed, I was striving to, to be an all-black great. Yeah, you talk about purpose. From one five-year-old to another now, uh, to your own, um, which is how the book begins, and COVID, just speak to that chapter if you don't mind. Yeah, so you know, at, at the end of my you know career, I had uh, three sons, and, and I thought... You know, the best way for me was to, to provide for my family by signing lucrative contracts in different parts of the world and continuing to, to play. And I've been playing for, for for 18 years professionally now and everything was going great. I was bouncing back from injuries. I was you know winning um, titles with the various uh, clubs that I was going to. And I was playing in Japan uh, near the end of my career. And uh, the pandemic hit and my family were living in New Zealand while I was bouncing back from Japan and, and New Zealand. And before the, the borders closed in New Zealand, I quickly raced back to New Zealand to be with my family. And and then they cancelled the Japanese season and I was distraught. I was gutted because I wanted to, to finish playing rugby on my terms and I didn't want to, uh, a pandemic to, to determine uh, you know, the, the end of my career. So I walked into my uh, son's uh, bedroom and he could tell that I was, I was a bit annoyed about something. And he asked me, what's wrong? So I thought, look, they've just, they've just cancelled the, the Japanese season. And he goes, oh. And I was expecting him to say, oh, that sucks. Uh, hard luck, Daddy. He goes, so you're not going back to Japan, he asked me. I was like, no, I'm not. He goes, that's the best news I've ever heard. And gave me a big hug. And I was like, oh, my goodness. They just want me around. you know. So what I thought was uh, providing for my family, being away, striving to be the best rugby player in the world, whatever it was. Did that I, hit you like a train? It did. I was like, okay, right. That was, I'd been avoiding retirement. I've been avoiding finishing the game for so long. And it just, it was a huge slap in the face. Okay, well, actually, you know, now's the, the time to, to be home. So that gave you permission to, to, um, to embrace the fact you weren't going to Japan. Uh, but it also gave you the red flag, which was the inevitable. Um, so how did those two sort of thoughts combine? Yeah, it just put everything into perspective. And, and I've heard a lot of people talk about, um, you know, these lockdowns, the pandemic, um, you know, just, just, you know, what are the priorities in life? And something that I kind of put aside was, was my family as I was, you know, striving to, to, to be the best rugby player in, in the world. So it was... Uh, it was great. It's just what I needed. But then there was also that fear of what does the next chapter of my life look like? Yeah. You know, like loss of identity. If if I'm not Dan Carter, the rugby player, then then who am I? And uh, I struggled, to be honest, and, and knowing what life was like uh, outside of, of rugby because it had been such a huge part of my life for close to, to 20 years. And I've been avoiding it and sort of hiding from, from this moment. And, and I, and I realised I, I needed help. Um, so I talked to a lot of my former teammates that have gone through that uh, transition. I talked to other sporting people that have gone on to have successful you know, business careers post-sport. Uh, I talked to um, friends that had been successful in business and have had to navigate change throughout their careers. And I was learning all this information. It wasn't actually until I ran into a guy called Kevin Roberts, who's a former CEO of uh, advertising agency Such and Such. We went through this process of repurposing. It was the first time I looked inwardly for the first time about who am I um, as, a, as a person? What are my characteristics? Um, what are my beliefs? Um, what are the things I wanted to take from rugby into the next chapter of, of, of my life? And all of a sudden, I had some framework to, to drive me forward. And I documented that process. And, and that's where the foundations of the book came from. The start of the book's all about that 
repurposing journey that I went on as I was navigating change in, in my life. And there's things in there that um, people, not just athletes, people in life uh, can 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 learn from uh, some tools that, that I learned through this repurposing process, whether you're navigating change in your life, that I'm confident there's something in there for you. I learned two things through that repurposing that I was obsessed with winning and just loved sort of high performance leadership and that's where the the fundamental um, chapters came from 10 lessons in leadership purpose and potential came from for the book and also I love giving back you know the fact that I was able to inspire the next generation of rugby players or kids uh, to live their dreams just like I did as a kid so I wanted to to use this book to to give back to to help other people because that's uh, the other thing I'm really passionate about. I love it. It's funny, isn't it? Because we send kids on work experience to know, to give them a flavour of what it's like to go into a work environment in a year's time after university, whenever it may be. But we are so bad at giving people who've worked all their lives lack of work experience. And we need to start doing that. And especially in um, careers uh, or occupations, uh, vocations more often than not, where you cut, there, there is an inevitable end of that life and the necessity to start another life, you know, and it happens with sports people all the time. It happens in different other different, it happens with musicians because, you know, uh, it happens with scientists. You know, I had a great stat the other day that um, very few scientists win Nobel Prizes after they're married, be they male or female. Because that whole priority changes. Um, most peop- most scientists who are published um, make their biggest discoveries in their 20s. You know, And it's not dissimilar. You're just a different person. You have different chemicals going around. You have a lack of responsibility. You have more less opportunity cost and therefore more opportunity. Do you think, is there already um, a school of um, education and process for people in sport to say you need to you went to university you got a you had a um uh what's it called a ship a fellowship what's it called uh the oxford university fellowship. yeah well, you know when you get a, what, a sponsorship what's it called in university when you're good at stuff um scholarship 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 can you is is there the the sort of the other end of your career version of that you know can you go to a place for a year to teach you what's going to happen afterwards does that exist? Are you thinking about creating that? Is it already there? Uh, not that I know of. Um, but the, the one thing that I learned through this process is, you know, that first chapter of your life, it's it's almost like, and I, I got a, some great advice from a formal, a former a professional footballer. He was a New Zealand All-Whites captain, Tim Brown. Yep. And he finished his career and, and went through this life of you know, transition. And now he's... Um, the founder of a shoe company called Allbirds, um, which is a you know, fantastic uh, company, hugely uh, successful. And, and he learned that, well, he talked to me about um, peaks in your life. Um, so, you know, your sporting career is, is one peak. And then a lot of athletes, they want to go into their, their next chapter in life at that same level. And they're not... Um, you're humble enough to, to go back down the peak, to, to learn new skills, to to work out sort of who they are. But if you are, have the ability to, to do that and learn, and whether that's uh, through education, or, um, that, that next peak of your life will exceed uh, the first one because of that wealth of knowledge and experience. And, you know, you're probably going to have, uh, you know, two to three peaks throughout your life. So 
Um, for me, when I learned that and I finished playing rugby, I was excited because I felt like I was on the start line again for this next peak in my life. But I had all this knowledge and experience. I didn't go to university, so I, I had um, you know, some self-doubt about I'm not well enough educated you know, for this next chapter in my life. But through writing of the, this book, I realized I had a different education. You know how to perform under pressure. You know, the, the, I've got the right tools now to be a lot more resilient. The importance of good team culture. Um, you know, things like this that'll really help accelerate the next peak of my life. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, the ten lessons of leadership, purpose, and potential are fantastic. Just let's touch upon a couple because um, we want people to get the book. The book's doing really well, by the way, all around the world already. Once again, Dan Cast, the art of winning. Um, tell us about uh, pressure is privilege <laughs> pressure is a privilege i mean a lot of people you know they see pressure as, as a real burden some of us step towards it don't we oh so, yeah and that's where that's where greatness is that's where you start uh, achieving things but it's not something that the all blacks talked a lot about and, and i've been uh, in two unsuccessful world cups in 2003 and 2007 and 2007 in particular um, where we were the number one side going into that World Cup, we just had to turn up and play, and we were going. The World Cup was going to be ours in 2007. That's what we thought. That's what everyone else thought. And we came up against a French team that just put in this heroic performance in the quarterfinal, and they beat us, and we were knocked out. Now, normally in New Zealand rugby, if you don't win a World Cup, the coaches are gone. You get some new coaches, and it goes uh, on a cycle like that. Um, but credit to New Zealand Rugby, they reappointed uh, the coaches and said, look, you need to learn from this uh, this failed uh, Rugby World Cup in 2007. And we soon realised that we were spending so much time on the training field, so much time in the gym, but we weren't spending any time on our mental strength. So for the next four years, because in that quarterfinal, the pressure was too much for us. We did not want to be there in that amount of Well, you hadn't pressure. been wobbled, had you? No, not at all. So... What we did is, is we actually learned a lot more about the psychology of, of our brain and, and how do we get the right tools to be able to perform under pressure. Because in order to, to be successful, to, to win a World Cup, which we hadn't done for 20 years, we needed to be able to perform and implement our skill set when the game is under excruciating amounts of pressure. So we soon realized that the most successful people in this world today live with pressure every day. So the fact that we've got pressure in our lives every time we put on the black jersey, it's not a burden, it's a, it's a privilege. We're one of the privileged few that have pressure in our lives every day. So we wanted to change our mindset and we wanted to, to walk towards it, embrace it actually, and get the right tools, which I talk about uh, in the book, to help us perform in those moments and be able to control our mind. Because if you can do that, that's where you're going to start achieving your goals. Yeah. And everything is neutral until you frame it as otherwise. Re reality is fact plus story. Yeah. And the French tell themselves a better story that day than the, well, the Kiwis were sort of on a repetitive narrative, which is pretty good. But when, like when you get a massive company now that dominates, it's very easy for a smaller company to disrupt a big company. It's like having literally having a flea in your ear, I suppose, isn't it? And they were the flea in your ear. Boy, were they the flea in oh, your absolutely. ear that day. And the fact that four years later, um, in the 2011 Rugby World Cup, we're up against them again. In the World Cup final, our arch rivals, the, the French, who have knocked us out on many occasions in Rugby World Cup history, we're up against them in New Zealand, and they're putting in another heroic performance. I think the, the scoreboard was, was, we were up by one point, eight points to seven. They're applying 
extreme amounts of pressure on us. But all of a sudden, the, the body language of the players was completely different to four years ago. Yeah. Where guys were getting injured, they didn't want to be there, we didn't have uh, an answer to, to the onslaught of the French. Whereas this time, 2011, the body language of the players was up. Yeah, Their shoulders were back. There was incredible amounts of eye contact. We were uh, really clear lines of communication. Yeah. We got, guys were looking at each other going, yes, this is the moment that we've we been it. working for for four years. And I think the work that we're doing on, on our mindset and, and wanting to be in, in those moments was you know part of the reason that Steam we're able team. to go on and, and, and win that World Cup. Steam is a team. Um, Grinners are winners, all that kind of stuff. It's all true, isn't it? It's Absolutely. all completely true. If you're, you know, so many stories I could recount here. I won't because it's your interview, not mine. Uh, but um, I was, I was at the quarterfinal, the French quarterfinal. Oh, sure. We were, we were all in shock. They wobbled everyone, not just you. I mean, obviously yeah. you suffered the brunt of it because you had to play against them. <laughs> but I remember thinking, what the heck? Because they sort of went under you, didn't they? Yeah, As opposed absolutely. to against you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they they really they got got in under us, and 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 then that's the beauty of the French. Um, you know, they can put in these incredible performances. They they draw a lot on on emotion, and, and when they're on, um, you know, they could be the best team in the world, uh, and, and they were that day. Never forget where you come from. That's a good one, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I think you know that you know, no matter what amount of success that you have i think it's really important that you're constantly looking back at uh who you are and where you came from so i spent a lot of time um just little things like spending time with uh, childhood friends that knew me before i was a rugby player that i went to, to primary school high school with they're the ones that keep you you really grounded going back out to my local uh, town of, of southbridge uh going to see mum and dad spending time at, at the club rooms and and when I was transitioning out of uh, rugby and, and a little bit lost, I thought right, I need to actually look back and you know if I'm going to look at who I am, I need to look back at at uh, you know my ancestors, my heritage uh, as a family and what we call that in New Zealand, uh, Maori is our, our whakapapa. Um and you know I write about that uh, in the book and and in order to to move forward, I think at time it's really important to to look back about sort of who you are, where you've come from to to out on. When there was understand. a lack of fear as well, because yeah. you know people sometimes worry about looking back. But if you have attained some success, whatever that means in your particular world, you know uh, sometimes you you can become uh, insecure, paranoid, all this kind of stuff. But if you, if it's been a long road, the spunk and the steel of the of the kid that that who is still there inside you needs to be you need to be reminded of him and maybe give him the reins or her the reins. For a while absolutely it's, it's it's a great way of, of, of looking at it because that's exactly what it is you, you're looking back and and you can use that and draw that as inspiration and guidance to, to help you yeah. uh, thrive uh, moving forward you got here you got it at the top of the mountain jeez uh we're almost out of time i've done it again sorry i've hugged the conversation sorry vasa sorry rachel can't help it i suppose with the rugby world cup starting this time next week tomorrow week um with new zealand against france in france um, I have to ask you, it hasn't been the best of weekends for either New Zealand or England at Twickenham. Um, where, do you see, where do you see New Zealand? Where do you see England? Any chance? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, 
I'm a bit sort of bamboozled by you know the, the English. They've got the players, and they just haven't been able to put the performances out on the pitch. But we all know with Rugby World Cup, if they can gel as a team, have a couple of wins under their belt, they can grow in, in, in confidence. Uh, anything can happen at Rugby World Cup time. The All Blacks are completely dominated by the South Africans at Twickenham. Uh, last weekend, and that's not the reason that I'm in the studio today wearing green uh, <laughs> at all Might today. Um, <laughs> but we will learn so much uh, from that game. We've had a, a fantastic uh, start to, to the season and some incredible games, and they're really growing and developing as a team. So I'm confident that they'll be there at the, the back end of, of the Rugby World Cup, the All Blacks, and you know, that. that loss that we we got dealt to by by the Springboks in the weekend was a really timely reminder that if you don't have your top two inches at a hundred percent and you're off just by a couple of percent that you can easily drop a game by by 30 points like, like we did in the weekend so great learning going into the first game of the rugby world cup which is against uh an inform um you know probably the the favorites of the tournament France so it's, it's going to be a fantastic match and a Probably the most hotly contested Rugby World Cup of all time. You don't exactly know who is going to win. I love international rugby. Rufus in Whitby. By the way, pile in if you want, Rach. We've got like 30 seconds left. Do you have a burning question? Uh, What have you learned from homeschooling? Oh, oh my God. You like that part of the book? (laughs) Oh, my God. It's amazing. The book is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I learned a harsh lesson. I'm all about structure and discipline and everything that I do. And And then I took it back to my homeschooling when we went into lockdown and my wife threw my homeschooling plan out the window after (laughs) only one day because the children were... Yeah, they didn't want anything to do with my home homeschooling. Yeah, but that re- whole regime. journey of discovery <laughs> and and um, realization is amazing. Rufus and Whitby, the interview has been so inspirational. I'm 16 and part of Yorkshire Rugby. I'm going for an appointment today to check on an injury. You've helped me wrap my head around everything. Thank you, Dan Carter. You are my hero. Oh, what very kind message. Yes. Helen in Norfolk. Dan Carter just made me cry with his story about his son's response to lockdown and not being able to go to Japan. It helped me prove that our family lives are so much more important than anything else. Spent my 20s and 30s watching Dan play. I have an eight-year-old son who plays and children like him need Dan Carter's, the Dan Carter's of this world, to inspire them. So much love for you, Dan. So much love and respect for you, man. It's so cool. Um, If you could just give us one... If you had to pick one super hack from your book or one... um, one mindfulness, or one thought to take forward. What, which would it be out of the whole book? Yeah, I, I think you know your mind is constantly playing games on you. Yeah. Um. You know, self doubt. You're often questioning your decisions. You're you're focusing too much on things you can't control, or become way too outcome focused about either something that's happened in the past or something that might happen in the future. Yeah. And and that ability to control your mind and live in the now you know living and being really present in what you're doing in this moment now and it's something i learned from um from playing rugby for so long because my mind was constantly um you know challenging me to think about the result are we going to win are we going to lose or hold on i I just missed a tackle and i'd run around for the next 10 minutes worrying about the tackle i missed and so i had some really incredible tools of controlling my mind living in the moment And, and we all need to um, we would like to be you know more present uh, in, in our environments and, and c- yeah. controlling your your mind um, is, is a really you know important part of the book if you come across a team who are present and you're not good luck 
If you if you go to watch a band in concert who are present, then you're going to have the best night of your life. And if you're present in in this moment, you'll have more intelligence and uh, ability and understanding and compassion to both listen and communicate more than you ever thought you might. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I love it, and you know, it's it's been a huge learning. I'm I'm not uh, a saint or or perfect. All these things, but, uh, but but these you are uh, these you're are a just, god actually to many. These are just <laughs> my uh, brother Nick. Yeah, <laughs> these are just some some learning. So I'm not telling you you need to do all these things in order to be successful. These are just some of the learnings. Um, that that I've taken from playing, and and hopefully, and I'm more com- actually I'm confident that there's something in there for Great. for everyone. That's why the book's doing so well. Dan Carter, the art of winning. Ten lessons in leadership, purpose, and potential. They, they do say ultimately, if, if you had an amazing life, or or one of your lives in your lifetime doing something, ultimately, actually, the smart money is heading towards service. And if you can take what you've learned and what you've enjoyed and been successful in, and then utilize it in the service of other people, then you you might die. You pretty good chance of dying a peaceful and happy and that's exactly what this book is awesome dan carter the best eh yeah let's have it down let's hear it for thursday thank you imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 percent replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15 percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. code buttery exclusions apply see site for details